Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. Very pleased to say I am with uh, Charlie Cooper, actor, writer, known as Curtain. In the, I've heard the word mockumentary today for the first time. I don't know what really? you like to call it, but mockumentary. Yeah, yeah that's the, what it is. This country. Yeah. How's it, how are you doing, mate? Are you okay? Yeah, good. Really good. A couple of months since we met on the fields of Sirencester Town oh, for yeah. the charity match. <laughs> you, you were you're playing up front with Reckless Abandon. I found out you were a defender, but you're actually just running amok at oh the, my uh, God. On, was... the, on the wing up front. Yeah, I, by the end, I was just goal hanging. <laughs> you got the goal at the end, and we won, didn't we? But I thought it was a little bit fixed. Our way by the Sirencester guys. It was, yeah, but don't. don't <laughs> I, I hadn't played football in about. I used to play up until I was about eighteen, and then hadn't for about ten years. Yeah, and I thought I still had it, but after that, I was like, no, I don't. You seem pretty fit though. You're running for a long time. Oh, then I couldn't. Next few days, I was ruined. Like every muscle in my body was just so tight. It's quite scary, actually. But naturally, though, you don't carry a lot of weight on you, do you? So you no. Know, it helps, I suppose. No, someone, um, producer on this country, Simon, he said, watching me play football was like watching a newly born foal <laughs> trying to learn to walk. <laughs> I was just uh, constantly on the floor, just limbs and bones. Yeah, but it's good. he kept going. We got there in the end. Um, but how are you? You said you've, you've had a busy bit of time because you've just finished filming this country third series. Yeah, it's been a busy year. We did... Um, this country book at the start of the year which came out uh, last month and then yeah writing and filming series three which finished a few weeks ago so um yeah it's been mad but just enjoying a couple of weeks break yeah oh good for you and um yeah you said it was quite challenging to do a third series because for those people who haven't seen it you can obviously look it up uh, this country it's fantastic got a cult a cult following a lot of us at sky sports news including tom white myself big big fans and we've been on the wtaf podcast Amazing. which is the local yeah. boys uh, which is good um, but it's set in Cyrus or what, set around Cyrus I think North Leach is what you said was the kind of maybe the, the closest place in, yeah. in Gloucestershire and Oxfordshire but it's life in a village and basically how it works. yeah it was sort of um, I remember we did like a recce when we had the idea of the show when we were first making it we did a because we've always lived in the Cotswolds me and Daisy and yeah. my sister um, grew up in Cyrencester so when it came to choosing a place to film it, which was quite fun, we went to loads of different sort of Cotswold villages, but North Leach was just perfect because <laughs> it had just the amount of sort of stuff for them to get involved with, but being totally isolating at the same time. Yeah, because Science Test is a little, haven't been to Science a little bit bigger, isn't it? You've got you yeah. know, shops and restaurants. And there used to be a like cinema and swimming pool, so it was, too, it was too exciting. It was more interesting than being in the middle of nowhere with one pub. Yeah. And the shop, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> I did um, for the first time. I went to the Cotswold Leisure Centre recently to do a fitness course. Actually, oh quite, yeah, quite interesting. Yeah, local. Nice, so get nice. to know, get to know Sirencester well. But was it was it challenging to write a third series? Because you said that the problem was it was kind of premises that it's a village where nothing happens. So. Yeah, definitely. I think you, we feel. Um, yeah, the whole premise of the show is about a village where absolutely nothing happens, and but but, but the great thing about those characters is that they. Yeah, they create their own entertainment and they'll yeah. get involved in anything, whether it be a Facebook argument or <laughs> anything like that. And then, um, so to do, so yeah, and we used a lot of material in those first two series, stuff that happened to us or stuff that we knew that happened to our mates. And so we sort of, yeah, this last series was, it was difficult trying to keep it, keep that bar high and just to keep it original and exciting. And You don't um, want to be too, you want... It kind of it's weird, isn't it? Because for the characters, Kerry and yourself, because it's almost like sort of dystopian comedy to a yeah. certain extent. You don't want things to go 
too well, but it doesn't go too dark. Even. Completely, and it's um, and because it's a mockumentary, we want and we writing the show. We were inspired by real documentaries, really. So we wanted to keep it really authentic and real, and we wanted the acting to be naturalistic. And yeah, so we sort of created rules at the beginning of the show. So it means you can't really take them out of that environment, not like an only fools and horses where suddenly they win the lottery or yeah. it makes suddenly loads of money. <laughs> so you had to be truthful to life. Yeah. And the true thing about life is, well, nothing really happens. So it's trying to, <laughs> so trying to yeah, make that but you do get challenge. You get really eccentric characters in villages, don't you, which, which comes across. But the amazing thing is the amount of family members you had in it because... Were you doing sports science at uni, were you? Or I was, Exeter? yeah. So, so I looked around Exeter. I ended up doing sports science at Loughborough, but I looked around Exeter as well. Um, but then you kind of got the call from, what, Daisy to get involved in, yeah, it in was, drama. I, yeah, I left college, went straight to uni without really knowing what I wanted, wanted to do. And then um, and all my mates were going to uni, so I liked, but I liked football, so I said, <laughs> i do sports science. Sports are always tempting, yeah. And then... Realised I wasn't academic whatsoever and dropped out after two years, which is stupid. Should have dropped out after two weeks, but um, <laughs> I still too paid, to the way, yeah. got to pay my debt off still. But um, and then was sort of disillusioned really, and then moved to London um, to stay with Daisy. Who was doing a, a was at Rada doing a drama course, and that's when we sort of became close and started talking about comedy we both that we both loved and ideas for stuff that we wanted to write. So that was yeah. sort of pivotal really um so god knows what i'll be doing without that but did you did you like acting and drama when you were younger and never never daisy always did and always wanted to to do drama i didn't really have an idea i just really loved football never in my wildest dreams did i think i'd end up acting or anything like that so i always loved comedy was really um I, i was sort of yeah, really passionate about comedies. You know, it's a lot of old comedies, seventies comedies, Dad's Army, yeah. Only Fools, and what about The Office? Was The Office because that's a, I guess that's a classic mockumentary, isn't it? Was that inspiring at all? Yeah, massively. Yeah, we were lucky that our parents let us watch anything really. So yeah. we were quite young when The Office came out, but I remember watching it, and then when it came to writing, it just changed the whole show. Changed the whole way a generation of people spoke and, yeah. and joked with each other. Still it was, now as well, I think some of the Ricky Gervais stuff oh, still hangs on David Brent. It's incredible. I can't, we haven't actually watched it in about six, seven years because it's too influential. Yeah. You realise that you end up taking so much of it. Well, do people like, because like, people like Kurt, I suppose, to Gareth in the yeah, Mackenzie, totally. Mackenzie Crook's character. Yeah. I mean, it, it didn't help that I sort of looked like a doppelganger, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, but again... The you sort of do and don't when you meet you, I think it looks... But it's funny, isn't it? I suppose it's not too far away, wasn't it? Slough, so it's kind of... Yeah. Similar accent he had and stuff. Totally. And he... Um, when we were filming this country, there's a few people on Twitter saying, I can't believe Mackenzie Crook is filming in the Cotswolds. This was the first series, so people... Well, he must be about 50 now, though, surely. Uh, yeah, I know, yeah. It's like, come on. <laughs> but that's, that's, that's cool, but it's... Um, there's this, the thing about acting though is like you, you're new to it it's incredible you do a fantastic job but also the family members because your uncle's in it yes. playing Uncle Len but he yeah. was is an actor is that right and obviously Daisy is an, an actress so you yeah. can see but, it, but how good were the, the rest of you including your, your dad as Martin Mucklow oh it's been well we're very lucky to have our family and that's sort of credit to Simon the producer who sort of put a lot of trust in because uh, when we came to casting the show we wanted um 
obviously one's her uncle who's been a jobbing actor for years and who's great and we wrote the character specifically for him the character of Len yeah. which he was brilliant at the football match wasn't he because he came in but he was in because it was weird you and your dad didn't yeah. seem to be in character your dad's quite well spoken <laughs> yeah. nothing like Martin Mucklow you were sort of quite retiring and, and just sort of normal lad and then he came in properly as, as Len yeah. did the team talk and did the tactics and wrote arse out on the board and basically in, in sort of squiggles and, I mean we're not None of us are that far away from our characters, to be honest, if you sort of strip it down. But he's quite funny. He says that he comes into, when he's filming this country, he comes into work with a stinky pair of trousers on, and then he has to take them off and then put another stinky pair of trousers on to pay the character of Len. So. Um, but no, it was, yeah, I mean, Dad, Paul, he, uh, he plays Martin Muckler, he never acted before. So when we wrote the character of Kerry's dad, we, we just liked the idea of, you know, it would be funny that our real dad plays Carrie's dad. And he was only meant to be in one scene. Um, but the character sort of grew as we were writing it. And and then we we got dad in front of camera, yeah. gave him a script, and he was brilliant, so natural. And of course, because it's a document, well, mockumentary, we want, it, we want it to be authentic. So if you, you know, if you play, just if you play yourself, essentially, then... But he's like the worst dad in the world, isn't he, Martin? He is Mark the worst dad, so yeah. That's not, it wasn't quite as bad as that in real life. Yeah. <laughs> um, was, there, was there shades of, of Mark Clay then? Uh, yeah. Not to, always, not to ruin the guy, but... <laughs> a little bit. No, he's always been so funny, and I think um, we get a lot of our humour from him, and so we knew he could do it, but yeah, he, he took to it so well. Um, so, but yeah. he seems like a really loving guy as well. He seems very, pro- when I interviewed him, and guys can listen to that as well on the podcast, he seemed very proud of, of you and Kerry and just, I think, excited to be a part of it rather than, like, this was his his moment. He seems to just enjoy that aspect. And But Martin Mucklow, my favourite line in the whole thing, I think, is when he says, what does he say to Kerry? He says, she goes, oh, you do love me, don't you, Dad? And he says, oh, don't you listen to a single thing? <laughs> I'm capable of love or something like that. Just, yeah, he's not very empathetic, Martin yeah. Mucklow. But that was such a fun character to write because that was sort of based on someone we knew really in town um who had he had three uh children with um his first wife but was like an awful dad never saw him and then they um got divorced and then he sort of um then he remarried yeah and then had three more children wow and then but that's all in a small place small where place. everyone sees everyone every day and then he and he sort of cut off all contact with his um, children from his first marriage. Wow. And when people ask him how many children he, um, how many kids he has, he says three from his new marriage. <laughs> oh, man. So brutal. Was he, was he better second time around? With the, the, I, I think like so. He had like a kind of like, right, I've just got to start again. I think so. And then he, he's a postman, so apparently he <laughs> used to d- deliver posts to his to his son's house from his first marriage oh, but they used to be like ships in the night this does it he's sort of in a village like so this so like he was a regular postman just exactly like, yeah and it's so brutal but there's something so it's really dark but something quite hilarious about it yeah and I think that's what happens in the village you sort of you you, you just get on with stuff my, mom, my mum's family actually in London but it's kind of like more localised in those days they lived in the same street and apparently um, with her dad I think one of his aunts uh, husband had a kid with one of the other sisters there was like 12 people yeah. but the guy would walk down the road like once a week to visit that's the other family <laughs> it was like really 
messed up at the time. But actually, when they told me that story, I was like, wow, does that actually happen? But it's that's almost insane. there's a dark comedy to it. Yeah, it's completely. And there's so much of that. And that's why it's quite easy writing the show, because we didn't have to make stuff up. It was just stuff we collected from yeah. friends or family or whoever, really. But what about the football stuff as well? Because obviously, I guess, being a sports mad person, and this podcast was sort of trying to... I guess elucidate why a lot of us are so obsessed with sport and mm. what we've, you know, you talk to yourself about loving football and what we get out of it and how it, it, it sort of imprints on life. But Kerry Marklow's character and yeah. the constant football tracksuits and stuff, and your old man was saying there's a real debate, especially in this part of the world, because it's not huge footballing country. You've got, you know, got Cheltenham races, yeah. you've got rugby at Gloucester and, and all that kind of stuff. But Swindon Town was the, was the team you went for in the end. It was, and that was purely because the girl who was sort of based on Kerry. Or would always wear a swimming top around town, really? and it would never you would never see her in anything else. So of course, when it came to choosing costume, it was just the most obvious thing, really. Yeah. And again, it's all about keeping it real, keeping it authentic and true to those characters. So yeah, there wasn't much um, talking about it. It was just immediately um, I borrowed a Swindon shirt off a mate, and, and of course, does she wear an England tracksuit as well at one point? Yeah, she, I think yeah. she does. Yeah, she does, she wears a manager's jacket. At one point. Um, <laughs> So she branches out a little bit, but again, there's loads of insides. There's a load of sort of local town, uh, local local team in Swindon. Really, yeah, even though we're Gloucestershire. Yeah, Gloucestershire. you got Cheltenham. Yeah, Cheltenham Town's the other one, but because it's weird, because I guess you or because you're only just turned thirty, aren't you? Yeah, I'm thirty-eight, and I remember when Swindon were in the Premier League. Like, yeah, this would be probably too. Were you too young? You're probably too young, like four or five. Yeah, I was young. Now. But yeah, just about. Remember? Yeah, yeah. But now they're in the same league as Cheltenham. I think they're playing them again in a cup replay next week, yeah. which is. The Robins against the Rob. They both got the same nickname, which is weird. So well. Absolutely, not, not very imaginative. But it's um, it's an interesting part of the world for sport growing up, isn't it? Because it's a lot of people around this area end up supporting big Premier League teams from from miles away. Cool. That's why I quite like Forest Green. Yeah, like that, do you? The old Gloucester guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's the the old yeah. No, well, that's the rivalry now with Cheltenham. It's hilarious because it's only been a few years old. People say I know it goes back to generations ago yeah. since Forest Green got promoted. But I took my wife to her first football match. It was Forest Green at home. And um, they were like guys like getting dragged out, 50-year-old blokes just yeah, yelling at I each see. other and stuff. It was, it was, you thought, is this good for people? Where does so this come from? They played recently and I saw loads of videos on Twitter of like, fights in the bus station. Yeah. There's people getting arrested on the prom in Cheltenham at 10 in the morning. Yeah, it's, that is just brilliant. It's like one of those sort of new... There's no history there. Yeah. But it's, it's sort of a bit of a phenomenon at the moment. It's like ultras and like firms and... yeah. I don't know, it's sort of come back. It's mostly just kids, isn't it? In mostly, Stone yeah, Island, mostly kids. But it's weird when you see older blokes and I suppose that dark comedy again as well that, that sometimes I look at that and I can't... And it must happen with women. Sometimes you see women going, having a, a mad old night out. But with football fans, you see the guys that are probably got respectable jobs, fathers, yeah. oh, totally, husbands, yeah. and then they get a few drinks in them and cause absolute carnage and that mob, mob mentality. It is, it's so tribal. And I think that's what, I think that's what sort of taps into sort of the DNA of men it's like that male thing it's yeah. like replace it's sort of replace wars and yeah, fight on that yeah which is a positive side as opposed to it yeah totally it's like being part of you know the us v them sort of culture isn't it it's quite you do I mean not that I get caught up in it but it's it's. I love the atmosphere yeah sort of going to away I'm a Fulham fan so I go to a lot of away games 
But um, do you? Because not living in London and being from this, but do you feel that you get like into that rivalry with? Because they got QPR this weekend, haven't they? I think as well. Yeah, on Sky Friday night. Yeah, yeah, going out. But do they? Do you feel that rivalry with the West London clubs as well? Yeah, look, it's not as big in London though. Is it? Cause there's so many teams. There's so many teams, so it gets diluted a bit. Um, I'd say more with Brentford at the moment. Yeah, because they they've been doing quite well and they they beat us a couple of times when we went down from the Premier League. So. They're sort of that annoying sort of younger cousin. That's <laughs> I didn't realise QPR almost bought Brentford at one point, apparently. Did they? Yeah, back in the day, Brentford weren't even you know, considered anywhere near as big a yeah. team as they are, are now. No, yeah, it's crazy. But their sort of inf- infrastructure at that club is really good. And they're sort of punching above their weight. Yeah. So, yeah, they're doing quite well. Sorry to interrupt the tribal things comes back to this country as well doesn't it because that's a brilliant thing about local villages is sort of rivalries you get there and especially as it, I remember when we well, grew up in Malvern up the road 11 to 18 yeah. I was born in London but we moved out and they um, remember it was always this thing who's the hardest kid in the county like people used to actually say and it was like Malvern's like uh, three ways between Gloucestershire yeah. it's just in Worcestershire but then it's got Herefordshire the other side as well so it's like who's the hardest kid in the three counties and people used to genuinely say this and it's like that, that rivalry is between different towns and, and yeah, villages because Kerry she came on Daisy came on the, the microphone at the football and in Kerry Macklow full yeah. character, she was full character for the entire day of the charity <laughs> football match wasn't she on the tannoy she and she was. came out they fear me in Northern yeah. they fear me so <laughs> Surin yeah it's that sort of sense of belonging and being, yeah, having that identity at that, um, we used to get that at school. If you played a rival school, yeah. going on the coach, it used to be like, <laughs> that was like an El Clasico, like, you know, turning up to Barcelona and <laughs> Real Madrid fans, it was insane. Yeah. But, it's, um, it's, a strange, it's a strange world. No, and it's a part of it, it's very British as well, I think that island mentality. Yeah. There's something about that that, you know, when you see England fans going abroad, it's just mayhem. Yeah. I don't endorse it, but... It's that them and us thing as well, because we obviously, in sport at the moment, on a serious note, things like racism are a big issue and people talk about homophobia. It is that that group thing. It's like, can you support a team mm. and support... Because people will be racist against other teams, black yeah. players, whilst supporting their own black players, seemingly. And it's like, they don't rationalise how that's completely inconsistent anyway, not only abhorrent but I just wonder mm. can we be passionate football fans can we and have the, us without them that's the question isn't it because it's the them part which just gets a bit yeah, of negative course. sometimes and there's always a minority unfortunately that spoil it for everyone else but um, I mean I, th- I just think till the end of time you always have that unfortunately yeah um, and it seems to be coming back now which is really really worrying but um, it's hard to know if it's always been there or whether it's bigger because of the, the documentation now it's so much more yeah, like mobile phones and everything totally yeah that's very true yeah um, but no hopefully you know, things will change yeah it doesn't make any sense does it when you judge people by like what village they live in or, or, or how much sun their skin can take it's yeah, kind of like of course it's, like, it's a classic like local thing with this country I suppose it's, it's not always rational no totally yeah it's so funny Kerry's character is like because your old man said it's based on a, a, a person you know who would threaten new women to the town <laughs> yeah. with either like she could punch them then and there or like haunt them forever was that yeah well, so we've got an amphitheater Roman amphitheater in Sirencester a lot of Roman history which is basically it sounds fancy but it's literally just two hills in a field and um, so she so the character Kerry's base was quite this intimidating she was a few years above us at school yeah. She was sort of a jury system in the uh, town. So if you did anything wrong to upset her or her friends, she would 
um, she would make sure, so she would tell you that you'd have to meet her in the amphitheatre and mm. let her punch you, otherwise <laughs> she would make your life a living hell for the rest of, you know, your time in the town or village. Wow. And... People she must actually, be really unhappy. You think about it now, she must have had a really bad upbringing. Oh my God, like yeah. That. And people would genuinely turn up to the amphitheatre at a certain time, let her punch, let her punch them and then just walk yeah. off and then be done with it. Remember like fights in the bandstand in Malvern or near the bandstand <laughs> yeah. and it'd be like, there'd be people come but there'd be also like, so most of us are like 13, 14 but there'd be like grown men who'd sort of like pick sides and be there as well. It's it just phenomenal. Yeah, we, we, we had a bandstand, same thing happened there, all sorts happened there. <laughs> there everyone's, because there's nowhere else to go. No. It's a bit of cover when it rains. But I guess kids, it was part of the thing your dad was talking about kids not going out and playing football. Maybe that doesn't happen as much now. I don't know whether iPads and technology is taking people off the streets more. Yeah, possibly. I mean, we were sort of lucky growing up. We were like on the cusp of, we had a computer but it was so slow you couldn't really do much on it. So, <laughs> Dial up. We still sort of used to go around Tesco car park and there's a shopping trolley and fart about and stuff. <laughs> I had a mate with dial-up who used to come to my house. I don't think he had it at home for some reason. It was early, like, it was late 90s. But he'd spend hours trying to download uh, posters of Britney uh, Spears and bring them out. <laughs> <laughs> so he'd be in there for about three hours. That is brilliant. He's like, mate, can we go and do something? <laughs> <laughs> that sort of thing I did, to be honest. Um, yeah. yeah, no, you don't see kids sort of... I don't know what it's like to be a kid growing up now because you're so... I find it hard. I'm totally addicted to social media and my phone and I find yeah. it a real problem to... Even my like level of concentration. On, I can't read a book now because I'm so used to having those sort of nuggets of information like on Twitter, like refreshing mm. it. And Get dopamine hits from social media, don't you, as well? Totally. And like before bed, I just I find it really hard to control it. But... Um, how do you do that when you're writing? Because that must be hard. Oh, we have to lock our phones in the drawer. Daisy's worse than me. She's, like, <laughs> with the amount of fights we have about her being on her phone when we're trying to write, it's just insane. But, um, yeah, just lock it. Lock yeah, it you do that, don't you? Because it's something we didn't necessarily grow up in. I think it's hard to focus and get your attention on things now. Totally, yeah. And you realise <clears throat> how much effect it has. Because I can't sit still and read. Yeah. Well, it's said that people don't now can't even watch full, full games. So you've got a guy coming down just. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, sorry. No don't worry. Don't worry. Just have a look. Sorry. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Just some chaps looking at your, your windows. Yeah, yeah. We're just recording <laughs> a quick chat. No, don't worry. <laughs> Crack on. Um, but yeah, that's funny about the attention thing because people say now, obviously, Sky Sports is, is where I work and that's been founded on selling Premier League rights. But it's some yeah. sense that younger people struggle to watch whole games now because. It's 90 minutes at least, plus yeah. six minutes added on or whatever, that they can't sit in one place. They just want to get goal highlights sent to their phone or something. Of course, yeah. and you, Because you, you just get hits of... Um, yeah, on Twitter, you don't need to watch a full game anymore because you just see the goals as they come yeah. in. They're just the best bits. So it's sort of, it, does, it does ruin that aspect a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's scary, isn't it? where it's going. But how, how are things going for you? Actually, this is what I want to ask you about your dad because he coached all the way through, didn't he, at Sirencester Town Youth Ranks? He did, And he yeah. said on the podcast that you wanted to play up front, but he made you play sweeper, was it? <laughs> yeah. Because he was he, cause he, as a dad, you always think, I've got a little girl, I'd love her to play football. I think she likes, not to be stereotypical, but she likes the outfits. Doesn't yeah. necessarily like playing football at the moment, but um, I wonder like how you'd be because there's two ways you go, isn't it? You either favour them dramatically where you yes. do make them the star player and try and give them all the attention if they don't warrant it, or you kind of overcompensate the other way sometimes it seems and he he said he was like kind of stricter with you maybe he it was a no it was amazing that he was so from under sixes right up to under 18s he was our uh, manager with me and all my mates and who we went to school with 
And my dad, growing up, he was obsessed with Dutch football, <laughs> really. And he always and he read the national team or the era of the just the style, just yeah. like through history, the Ajax team, yeah, the, um, the national team. Looks wow, ambitious then with kids. And so he read loads of books, subscribed to loads of coaching magazines. Used to go over to like Holland and go to academies, see how they did stuff. Um, met with Dutch coaches and. And he tried to implement these sort of methods that he was learning on us, but we were so bad. And he used to get so frustrated. So try and play out from the goalkeeper. And yeah, so I was sweeper. You're ahead of, ahead of your time. So I was sort of the only one who listened to him, basically. So that's why he made me sweeper in a 3-5-2 formation. And he wanted us to sort of play, you know, in these triangles. Yeah. He was ahead of his time, sort of, before Guardiola and stuff. Yeah, came exactly. Guardiola's stolen his thunder. Yeah, a little bit. He'd, he'd say that. But, um, and then, so we try and play out from the back. Because we were physically a lot smaller than other teams. Because yeah. at those ages, the difference can be like five years, yeah. physicality. So we'd pass it out from the back, get tackled after two passes, and they'd squeeze loose about yeah. 10, 15, they'll every That's game. That's the problem with you football is that often as lads, I mean, even lads that got scouted by clubs, were just lads that hit puberty early. They got big, and then, and then kind of you saw a couple of years later when you realised they were pretty rubbish. They had no footballing ability. Um, but no, he... But his philosophy was great because there was... Um, a lot of mixed abilities in our sort of squad, but he we'd rotate every week, no matter what game it was. Which didn't happen for a lot of other teams. They'd only play their best players. Yeah. You know, oh right. Every, so he made sure every yeah. week, and then the the weaker squad ones. System. Yeah. So the weaker ones never played, so they'd never develop, and you know they sort of had a bad experience really. So for us, it was frustrating because it meant we lost every game, but it meant that everyone got a chance and. There was always good team spirit and stuff, but no, we had some great times. Yeah, it's amazing at time looking back. Some people just play ringers, wouldn't they? You'd have like 19-year-olds yeah. playing under-14s and stuff. Yeah, Because they were desperate to win, which you think is another sometimes downside. It's just enjoy the sport, for, especially that level for itself. Rather yeah, than and again, that was one of those things. The result never mattered. It was just as long as you enjoyed it and tried to play good football and not just hoof it up to the yeah. man. Um, Especially a big thing, isn't it, for parents when the kids come home from sport is ask them how it went or mm. not, what, not did you win? Because they're Yeah, well, it's so people. damaging. You have to learn to be able to lose. And if, you, if you're used to winning every week, when you do lose, it's just a totally alien experience. So it sets you up for life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you, yeah you have to learn your licks, don't you? I, think. I remember playing in a team when I was 10. That Something like that. I don't know why. We, were, we lost pretty much every game. And I played centre-back, which I never usually play. Yeah. It was freezing every Saturday. Sort of, we lived in Norfolk, actually. Yeah. Just really cold w- winter. But it did sort of toughen you up a little bit. Oh, you, got, you had to get used to it. Because otherwise, you just get fit, scared of losing. And yeah. We it ruined just, you. It, yeah. That was, the weather was always a bad thing. But as soon as we started... When we were turning like 15, 16... When we were sort of having house parties and sort of drinking a bit, yeah, <laughs> we'd yeah. turn up hungover on a yeah. Sunday morning, and my dad would be so livid because he would put so much effort in. He would wake up early, put all the corner flags in, do the nets. That's when my football career went off the rails because it was almost at that stage there were sort of scouts around. But it was almost if you wanted to have a social life, it was very hard to. Yeah, that was a pivotal age. Exactly, you had to. You couldn't miss a house party. You had to. You had to be there. <laughs> so yeah, he got frustrated and it's sort of. Yeah, I remember was, not going to county trials once because of yeah. like, being hungover. <laughs> so uh, our worst performances were yeah during that sort of 16 to 18 yeah. period. That's where the big kids came in handy to hit puberty early because they could buy all the booze as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> And they had facial hair, so it sort of helped. Yeah, remember guys at school that looks like 30, 
40 at the time, we were, we were 16 or 17, it's amazing looking back, I don't know what they look like now, maybe they, maybe they stalled, <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's been, yeah, it's been brilliant to, uh, to speak to you, um, in terms of like the, I suppose in terms of your, you forging your career as well, just think about that, those sort of licks of, of getting used to losing can help as well, because it, it's a tough business isn't it, like TV and drama and pitching things, even when you've got success yeah, behind you I guess. Definitely, and we, we sort of learnt the hard way really doing this country, <clears throat> it took us so long to get it commissioned. I think we started writing in 2010, 2011, and it didn't get commissioned until about 2016 or 2015. Wow. So we really went around the houses and had lots of rejection and um, sort of ups and downs, but sort of persevered and got there in the end. But yeah, we had so much support, but our parents and especially our dad was so supportive. So. Yeah, you've got to have a strong backing because a lot of times people would worry about their parents when they're not making it or not getting oh, completely. come through. And there was a period of time when me and Daisy weren't working. We were only doing, writing the show and just before it was commissioned so we didn't really have an income but we didn't want to get a job because it meant if we were working nine to five yeah. we're not going to want to... It's know, energy, do, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, totally. So we had to, there was no plan B, we just put everything into plan A. And so we were both living at home with our parents and we were so lucky to have parents who were supportive. Otherwise, you know, a lot of my friends' parents would have been, you know, get out, yeah, earn, earn a wage, do a job. And so we, were, we weren't paying rent. We were writing in our garage, sort of a loft in our garage. There was no electricity, so it was, sort of, <laughs> it was hard. Yeah. But yeah, you just, um, we were lucky that we had a base. So. Yeah, I can identify that trying to make it as myself as a, as a presenter in TV as well. But my brother, actually, my baby brother, I've got a brother who's a lawyer and a brother who's a doctor, but yeah. my baby brother's a singer-songwriter, J.J. Draper, he's on Spotify and everywhere, hundreds of thousands of oh, listeners, wow. but the music, yeah. he has big gigs in London, but the music situation is so different now because it's, you know, so hard to make money out of that, but it's like, you can't pull out of it, do you know what I mean? What no, point do you give up? Because like you said, you could have given up in 2014 and you don't get the... the no, show. doing anything creative, you, you can't, you have to do, you have to do so much work, mostly for no money. Yeah. For years until you get anywhere. Um, you just got to believe that it's good, I guess. This yeah, completely. In that. And we were lucky because we had each other, so, you know, it wasn't like we were doing it by ourselves. Yeah. Um, what was that like working with your sister? <laughs> Nightmare most of the time. Because <laughs> were you as close as, like, Kurt and Kerry were are in the show? Yeah, we, I mean, uh, when we fight, we fight exactly like Kerry and Kurt. And we're not <laughs> even acting there, we're just sort of being <laughs> ourselves. But, um, no, it's good... It's amazing when it's going well. It's great, and obviously, our biggest, um, the biggest thing that we've always had in common was humour and comedy. And we always found the same things funny. And yeah. growing up, um, we found the same things funny. So that was so. Despite despite all of our differences and how different we are as people, that's the one thing that always binds us, which is great. Is she more of an extrovert? She do you think? She yeah, totally. I'm much more. Into, we're so opposite. Um, but it sort of, it works. But your dad said that's what it worked because you kind of, not centred, but you kind of grounded Carrie to be able to write the thing in the first place. Yeah, she's definitely. Well, all she's, ideas and discipline. Really. Yeah, yeah, and trying to, uh, yeah. Daisy, totally. I should say, not Carrie. Yeah, obviously. Well, the same thing. <laughs> um, um, but no, yeah, it works. It's sort of a good uh, double act, I suppose. And being the two main characters in the show, being brother and sister, means we have that sort of chemistry that was difficult to get from two actors who've never met. So yeah. we're always rehearsing and improvising, so we're sort of rehearsing from the very moment we're writing, really, which is perfect. You had a few actors come in from like, outside of the area, didn't you, as well? Because that must be quite difficult to, to play a proper Gloucestershire local. Yeah, definitely, but we... I mean, 
what's great is when it when we do rehearsals um, before each series, we get them to come down to North Leeds Village and stay for a few days, and we take them on a tour, take them to the pub, <laughs> just immerse yeah. themselves in Village swing in the Cotswolds, in the real Cotswolds. So they get a good idea what it's about. Yeah, because it's quite a fancy element to Cotswolds. That was just think about it um, as we wrap up. That was interesting. You started in twenty ten because often I wondered like how old Kerry and Kurt were supposed to be because obviously seemed younger than you guys but then they were the yeah. same age you were when you started writing <laughs> yeah. that's the whole point so yeah I don't I mean they're 20 something but as young as they can get away with looking yeah. I suppose well you both look young so Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we'll it helps to do something you enjoy as well. When is the show out? When's it? Um, it should be out February. Cool. Yeah, hopefully. BBC Three? Or BBC Three and then re- repeated on BBC One, I think, hopefully during the week. Yeah. Awesome. That's big. Yeah, exciting. Yeah, hopefully it sort of... Um... And you play football at the moment? No, I'm not actually. I don't, I don't play any football other than the odd five side. Yeah. I watch a lot of football. Going to a lot of Fulham games. I absolutely love football, so watch I still prefer soccer. playing them than watching. That's a funny thing. I think I obviously really? watch a lot of work. Yeah, but I love that feeling. There's a five-a-side game in Cheltenham, but it's on Thursday evenings in the last month or so, typically, because our rotors aren't fixed. I've been working, but it's... Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I love it. Just five for an hour, just getting your head... Cause you can, just immerse yourself in it, don't you? You lose... You know, yeah, talk about totally meditation and stuff, but I think that's almost as good that you just... Don't think about anything else. Yeah, that's really nice. I do miss it. Maybe I should get back involved. But yeah, it's quite difficult finding a team around here. Yeah. But um, well, let me know if you have another game as well this year, next yeah, year. Yeah, amazing. Twenty twenty. Yeah, we we'll do. We should do one every year. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Appreciate it. No worries. Thank you. Thank you. Um, guys hope you like that please uh, do rate it on iTunes if you want to look out for this country as well definitely look it up I'm sure you can watch it now can't you on BBC iPlayer somewhere yes, potentially still, okay, yeah. the old episode because it is hilarious whatever part of the country or world you're from um, so thanks for listening to uh, Sport and Life this time speak to you soon cheers